Mr. Dingle, good morning. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Yeah, you know, good, good. And you? Yeah, uh, twitchy, and I hate the whole universe thanks to lack of nicotine. But yeah, good. So the the uh, Sam doesn't smoke thing's going pretty well then. Uh, yes, the Sam is a terrible bitch as a result of not smoking thing is also Whoa. going very well. <laughs> well, all right, Sam. How do you really feel? <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't know hmm. you were crabby pants when you didn't smoke. Oh, dude, I'm Captain Grumpy Pants. And Captain Grumpy Pants, much less fun alter ego Captain Depression Pants. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Smoking anyway, makes you that no, happy, good. huh? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should get one of those uh, electric uh, steampunk cigarette thingies that I see people smoking now. So that made it so much worse the last time I tried that because <laughs> the, the problem with those is that you can smoke indoors. So you ended up, I, well, I ended up sort of smoking at my desk feeling like I was in Mad Men and was a badass and it was really rad. But then you end up smoking the entire day. <laughs> it cannot be better for you, though. There's no way it's better for you. Uh, e-vaping. Well, yeah, but it's, it can't be good for you, man. It can't be better for you than like uh, the normal cigarettes, surely. I think it's slightly better for you. You're burning something and breathing in the results of that burning. It, it, there's no way it can be good for you, right? Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Like, I, I remember around. when I was in college, people uh, used to smoke the hookah or mm. the nagir or what are the other names? Oh, uh, you guys were big on that at Tuxe. Were we? I mean, I never yeah. really was. But yeah, I saw Every a lot time of, I go to that campus, there's people. And they're like, it's just water vapor. It can't kill me. <laughs> You're like, um, Guess about what? That. <laughs> Uh, it's actually just cold smoke, and yes, it will kill you. And then somebody bothered to test it, and it was like, oh, well, when you have one puff, that's like smoking 25 cigarettes or something. <laughs> and you tend to smoke it for 15 minutes, so... Yeah. yeah. But, but anyway. you know, when you're, in, when you're young and impressionable, mm. uh, the Middle East will get you with its many wonders or something. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. So what else oh, is going on this week? You're not smoking. Uh, you're Captain Grumpy Pants. I'm sure this, you're a delight to everybody in your team. <laughs> yeah, I'm basically just yelling at people. Uh, learning to do monotype, which is kind of interesting. Like really this very old-fashioned printing method. Uh, very cool. Why would um, you do that? Yeah. We For have funsies. new fashion printing methods now. <laughs> <laughs> you'll just hit the printer button and then it print is no uh yeah not much what about you are you feeling less confused about the whole universe this week when was i co- oh yes uh no not about the universe as such uh mm. still pretty confused about that <laughs> um, uh, um and i've been reading ernest becker which never helps with that problem you know. reading who ernest becker oh right yeah he was um sum up uh, psychology guy yeah, and uh, and he did a pretty spectacular job of it. He did a book uh, a long time ago called "The Denial of Death." Mm. Um, now, look, it's a it's a great summary of psychological thinking up until that point. It makes some dodgy uh, assumptions about uh, homosexuality, for example. Uh, that yeah, but you know, you kind of just have we're to okay excuse. in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Things were different then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, he's a significant figure in, in, in psychology and mm. he kind of, he kind of drew the line under where we were at towards the end of the seventies. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's not like your sunshine on the way to work read in the morning. Uh, yeah. it's not going to make you happy. Mm. Um, so what was happening in psychology in the seventies? Um, what did people believe of- about the brain? Well, you know, I think we were kind of, and, and, and again, I, you know, this is my complete sort of amateur take on it, but mm. I think we were kind of at the point where 
we had taken the Freuds and the Jungs and the etc. and and the Kierkegaards and the uh, Ranks and we'd mm. kind of combined them all and come up with a pretty decent model. But then we were starting to be reminded of the fact that really this is all just chemistry, that this is genetics, mm. that you know uh, these grand theories we had for things like depression and perversion. Uh, well, guess what? You just had that thing in your brain and. Mm. And so they didn't. They didn't know enough to take, you know, to follow through with that thinking. Um, but they they were kind of starting to realize that, and they were still trying to impose the old models on on the new science of psychiatry. And hmm. um, and I, you know, I, I, they were they were having a really tough time finding a reason for people to be optimistic about anything back then. You mm-hmm. know, it was like they're, they're fantastic constructs you can feed to people uh, that'll help them help them with. Uh, uh, their transference problem and all the rest of it but um but nothing like we've got today where it's possible to be okay with the fact that we really don't know what the hell's going on here and there aren't any conclusive answers about everything but it's a pretty spectacular place etc yeah sure. um, it's weird how that works that I, I don't know whatever sam it's an interesting <laughs> book it does sound interesting yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna make you happy it's yeah you know, i mean i think you, you you nail it though like the brain is still one of the things that we know the least about the brain and the ocean you know we just things we do brain not understand ocean. at all mm-hmm. <laughs> um because there's things some, down there yeah there are things they, and they swim around and sometimes they make you want to i don't know do weird things like i don't know have uh, where's this going sam <laughs> i don't know i Look, have no idea I mean, I love the fact that the only reason we know things like sperm whales exist is because they come up to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, I, I feel like that's what I would do if I was a, a multi-bajillionaire is I would, I, would get be, I would be Jacques Cousteau, basically. I would wear a little red beanie and I would be in submarines and I would be under the sea because you can actually mm-hmm. be an explorer under the sea still. Yeah, I would, I would be more like Steve Zizou, I think. Mm. <laughs> a little, little less organized. Yeah, slightly. If we're honest. <laughs> but, um, but it would be fun. And uh, I would give everybody a custom speedo and uh, some stationery. <laughs> to <sighs> carefully record whatever they see under the sea, obviously. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, correspondence. <laughs> uh, the interns all share a Glock. That's a great it's, movie, Sam. We, uh, someone should make it. In fact, where is... Um, Wes Anderson. He needs to make more movies about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Zizou needs a comeback, I think. Totes. Uh, some unfinished s- business with the creatures of the ocean. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen that webcomic, uh, Badly Poorly Drawn Lines? Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things. They, they, they're doing a kind of a run at the moment of uh, Jacques Cousteau comics. They're so funny. So, so, so funny. I must see this. Out. Yeah, Fourth they're width. very cute. Very cute. Okay. Nice. <laughs> it's basically like people fishing and then Jacques Cousteau sort of like flops over like a whale and saves the fish. It's, yeah, it's very silly, but it's great. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so the last couple of days have been Ernest Becker combined with Hack Days at work, which is uh, which Aww. is So tell me uh, about Hack Days. Are they, do you find them effective? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, as with anything, it's just a couple of words until you decide what it means to you. Uh, mm. I, um, what it means at 227, which is what my company, is we um, the, whole, the whole company takes two days off. Um, people come up with ideas that they pitch to the company and then uh, anybody in the company needs to decide if they like any of the ideas and then they join that team to make it happen. Mm. And then for two days we hack. So it has to be something you can pretty much get going with in two days. It doesn't have to be finished and whatever. It can be a prototype. Or, um, so some of, the, some of the ideas we've had are, are things to improve the product, which is always rad. Um, but we do have like teams who are, um, who are building an arcade machine 
My my team is is taking because that's going to help you understand your money better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Play well, it like pinball. <laughs> you know, it might just make the office a better place to hang out in. But oh, that's rad. okay too. Yeah. Uh, our project is kind of in in between. It's a it's a Lego Star Wars desk lamp um, that we're hacking to work uh, with a Raspberry Pi, and um, Raspberry Pi, of course, is the really cheap computers. Mm, that the you tiny, can get now. tiny little thumb drive ones. Just a computer, but it's really tiny and really cheap, which means mm. you don't mind sticking it in your microwave to make it do clever things um, or something. Uh, Hopefully the, the, not the, in the, your microwave, like, and then turn your microwave no, on. on. Your That's microwave. probably not recommended. Yeah. Uh, where, what do we say? Uh, Star oh. Wars lamp. Star Wars. Yeah, so it's it's plugged into uh, Zendesk because we use Zendesk for all of our um, ticketing mm-hmm. and communications with customers. Uh, and then you know when new tickets come in, Zen Vader lights up and says stuff. It's um, awesome. <laughs> that's pretty rad. You know, it's like a notification system. Whatevs. That's Plus, we're cool. watching Star Wars movies, uh, and it's uh, and it's interesting. It it's amazing how something like a hack days will change your perception of the people you work with, mm. um, the place you work in. Uh, it's it's just it breaks the monotony. It gets everybody out of routine, mm. and it gets them to reevaluate each other, the place they're in. I, I think it's been incredibly positive. So I can recommend it for any company. Take two days off and just mm. build stuff yeah, we that did you it. wouldn't build anyway. We did it once before and it was it was amazing. I think just to work with people that you don't normally work with and you don't have to be your job description for a day. You know, the developer can mm-hmm. be designing shit and that's okay. Um, exactly. Yeah. And you learn that like, hey, this dude who's uh, really good with customer service uh, also knows how to, to, you know, edit videos or whatever. Mm, mm. Um, and and now when the engineers come and speak to him, he's not just customer service guy. He's mm. customer service guy who can uh, edit videos. Yeah, knows a hell of a lot about The Godfather and but, um, likes plasticine. So the sad part of that though is that it seems to be quite hard, or in my experience, but I, I don't know if this is every company, to then go back into your day-to-day jobs and then still continue to treat people like that. Because the reality is, even if there's so much like dead talent that lies around every company, because mm-hmm. I know things. I know that one of my client service people is an ex-designer and it's a freaking brilliant designer. Um, but when we have excess design work, it goes to freelancers. It's never going to go to client service because, you know, ooh, that would just screw up the process. Well, client service is also busy with client servicing, so, you know, maybe it's not yeah, the best idea for them but even to- when there are sort of, you know, peaks and troughs, because there always are peaks and troughs in different parts mm-hmm. of, a, of a company. And when we were smaller, it was much more kind of everyone just mucked in and did what needed to be done, which was yeah. fine when we were like eight people and is not, not fine when you're 80. Um, yeah, it's, it's managing perceptions like everything else in the world. Mm. You know, and, and, and it's amazing what a job title does to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> So I am much. head of sales. <sighs> Do not ask me about anything else. <laughs> All of a sudden, I will behave very much like a salesy person. <laughs> but also, it's, it's amazing how we have this thing where people always want to know what you do. Mm. And let me tell you, when you have children, you end up at a lot of school events, standing around with other dads, drinking their tea. And the first thing they want to know <laughs> is... <sounds> horrible. <laughs> uh, so, what do you do? Uh-huh. Or, the favorite way it was presented to me was in four ways, Johannesburg. So, yeah. Brew, what's your game? Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ha. Hey. Hey, Oak. <laughs> Favorite answers include anything I want. Uh, that's a good uh, answer to what do you do. Um, yeah. But, you know, once you've got that job title, it's like, ah, tch, I know this guy. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> 
Another particle physicist. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I do quite like my my job title for that reason because it's entirely ridiculous and doesn't mean anything. So when mm. I tell people my job title, they're like, uh, okay. And then what is the your conversation job title? Ends, Head of Think. <laughs> Isn't nice. That the most ridiculous job title in the entire universe. It's like Head of Thinking. I, I am a thinking one. person. So I change it every time somebody asks me. But, yeah, um, cool. but, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it, that it, perception is interesting. Uh, and you kind of, you know, people will help elevate you to whatever it is you tell them that you are. Mm. Now, you know, obviously, don't tell them you're a particle physicist unless you know a little bit of particle physics. Um, <laughs> because, you know, carrying through the perception through might be a bit difficult. Mm. They'll be agreeable at first. <laughs> but uh, once you get your hands on your first uh, particle? electron collider... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's like there's this great XKCD cartoon where he talks about it's, – it's very old, but it's, it's still one of my favorites – where he talks about how his hobby is in different fields, pretending to be an expert in that field and seeing how long it takes for people to call him out. And he's mm. got different fields. So it's like you know, particle physics, approximately three seconds, uh, you know, statistics about a month. <laughs> and then it's like uh, literary studies still going. <laughs> no one has figured it out yet. Nice. Um, it's very funny. It's, it's very true, though. There are some fields where you would get caught out much more quickly yeah. than other fields. But what you can do is if you are a particle physicist, you can claim to be a more senior particle physicist than people would otherwise assume you to be. Yeah. I suppose particle physics is a terrible example because at some point you'd have to be a Nobel laureate to pull it off or mm. uh, have something published. Uh, man, science is good at, uh, at, at catching out the cheaters. But, uh, you know, in your regular corporate information worker job where nobody actually knows what they're doing uh, besides for occasionally making spreadsheets and then having a meeting mm. about them, uh, sure. you, could, you can get away with, uh, with quite a lot uh, by, just telling, by just helping people with their perceptions because everybody needs help with their perceptions. Everybody mm. uh, is kind of trying to make, make up their mind even if, if they don't realize that and they feel quite confident about the world around them. So you just give yeah. them a little nudge uh, as to how they should be thinking about you. It, it can go a long way. No, it's a true story. Although, sorry, just talking about your, your science calls people out thing, there was that guy, I'm trying to remember what his name was. I think it was Sokol or something like that, who successfully spoofed like 100 science journals uh, about 10 years ago by creating a completely fake paper. And it was on the topic of psychology, again, reinforcing our thing about the brain is the thing we know nothing Ooh. about. Yeah, you see, <laughs> when you talk about the sciences, there's quite, a there's quite a distance between psychology and particle physics. Sure, but it was still a research paper so yeah, you know, okay. still in theory following a scientific method etc etc sounds um, like a fun game yeah totally we should we should play this game um yeah. we should start with the the easiest field to spoof literary mm -hmm. theory and then mm -hmm. go to the hardest and well, see you, how far we get <laughs> you know the, the steve jobs of the world played this game as well mm. uh, the perception molding uh, some would call it lying but <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm always reluctant to go to the example of Steve Jobs because he's become uh, the mascot for every douchebag out of the out there mm. who's uh, who's trying to get stuff together for themselves. Like uh, you know, those of us who 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 were interested in Steve when he was alive know mm. that there's a there's a little truth line that they may be stepping over in mm. their understanding of how Steve did stuff. But one thing you can't deny is his reality distortion field was real. Mm. He would he would kind of will products into being. Mm. Um, that might be overstating it a bit. But man, I mean, there's a fantastic article. I will post a link to it in the notes for this conversation, mm. which will be on our website at c.tv forward slash tbtd forward slash guess what, Sam? 20. Uh, 20. Oh, yay. 2-0, baby. Ding. 
We've been doing this for uh, 20 weeks. That's Mm -hmm. really cool. That's like many months. Many months. Um, So just forward slash 20, not the bit about Sam and and the other stuff. Uh, Anyway, so uh, so in this article, uh, it's, you know, with the whole court case with Samsung about being copying uh, children who, who can't innovate. Um, they, uh, you know, a lot of stuff came out of that court case that wouldn't have come out of Apple otherwise because they're a very secretive company. So, mm. you know, Scott Forstall, some of the guys who worked on the iPhone project and the software that went into it had to uh, reveal a lot of details about the process and how it really happened that they wouldn't otherwise have ever made public. Um, and it's fascinating that, you know, when Steve Jobs stood on the stage with that iPhone, uh, which was, it doesn't matter whether or not you like it and you've moved on to Android or anything else. It started it all, man. That was the revolution point. It's, you know, eight years ago, things changed fundamentally because of that one device. But when he stood on the stage and showed the world the iPhone, it was not a product. He did not have a product. That thing mm. did not exist, okay? It was a little better than a prototype that he took onto that stage. Um, mm. And when you read what went into that show to make it look like a real product, it's unbelievable. Mm. But once the world's perception had been shaped, the product kind of followed because it had to. There was no choice now. There was no going back. This thing mm. has to land on shelves in the next few months. Yeah. Um, and it's an amazing story about how sometimes the world needs help with that perception problem because instinctually we look at why something can't happen. You mm. can't have a keyboard on a touchscreen. You can't do A, B, and C. The mm. battery will never be big enough, etc. And engineers are great at helping you with those. Mm. Uh, they'll <laughs> just basically tell you you should go and have tea and forget about the whole thing. Um, but, but when you help people with a perception, when you give them that little nudge of what's possible, and mm. when, and he has the important part, douchebags trying to be like Steve, you actually know what you're talking about, and it is possible, mm. um, it's amazing what you can pull off. Yeah, for sure. And you, you kind of just have to be ballsy about the whole thing, I guess. Look, I mean, I'm in advertising, which which when advertising goes well, that's kind of what you're doing, right? Is you are you're shaping perception and you're building up imaginative realities and and sh- and shifting behavior by shifting what people believe about the world. And it's it's frightening how powerful it can be, you know, and and very measurably powerful. Um yeah, but you have to deliver. That's the thing, though. Yeah, you do. And, and in, in fact, you can harm yourself by creating too high an expectation gap. So, you know, yeah. I, this is something you see with, with startups a lot now is um, the startups that, that do well in the beginning are the ones that are kind of come across as very humble and invite you in and say, look, we, we're going to screw up because we're inventing this thing. Come invent it with us. The ones that go out with, you know, big, big fireworks and whatever, which is typically what happens when a product is launched from a big established brand. Mm-hmm. Um, inevitably, it's not going to be perfect in the first run and then everyone will hate it. because they go out expecting it to be absolutely Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes you just gotta lower expectations lower expectations (laughs) i have to think about this one sam i'm Mm. not sure Mm. i'll tell you what i what i have worked with is the masters of reality uh he-man guys who who just play the perception game a little else and then and then jump onto the next big thing when when people realize that actually Mm. uh they're not able to do any of what they purport to yeah. And in your industry, there's a lot of that going on. So like, much. Oh, my God. Uh, my favorite persona is is Captain Pitchpants, uh, who <laughs> arrives with the um, really nice desk calendar that his innovative team have made for mm. your creative director and uh, a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, and he does a, a show and, fuck me, he, he pitches the crap out of a boardroom. Uh, and by the time he leaves, everybody's like, my hero, uh, when can you begin? Uh, and then when it actually comes to delivering, mm. 
Mofo's got nothing. Like well, nothing. The reality is that that mofo, the the talking pitch machine, is very seldom the person who actually needs to deliver on the thing at the end of the day. Um, and so this is why some of the some of the more interesting agencies uh, around the world have started choosing to be smaller again, and particularly started choosing to cut out a client service function, um, because ultimately the people that someone wants to meet when they're bringing on someone external to do a job are the people who are going to be doing the job, not the, mm-hmm. the fancy people who've specialized in making you believe stuff, you know? Yeah, but I think the world is changing, you know, because increasingly I'm sitting in boardrooms where I'm going, you know what, dude, I don't care. Like mm. Nyan Cat is the most watched video on YouTube or was oh, before, yeah. um, you know, whatever, Gangnam style. Yeah. Um, it's a cat flying through space with a rainbow coming out of its asshole. That's yeah. the concept. It doesn't matter. Somebody executed on it and it worked. Mm-hmm. So show me something tangible mm. and shut the fuck up about your concept that you don't have to execute on so you're yeah. kind of bulletproof. I don't Ideas care. Stop like talking assholes. and show me something. The thing that annoys me the most at uh, you know at startup days and that kind of thing is where people come in and they're like, oh my God, I have this idea for this thing and it's going to be revolutionary and make everyone really rich. And then you listen to the idea and you're like, oh, so you mean like that other thing? And they're like, what? There's another thing? And you're like, for God's sake, just do your freaking homework before you come out here, you know. It sounds <sighs> like this has happened to you before, Sam. It has, anyway. And also, <laughs> how's that quitting smoking thing going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm very grumpy about everything in the whole universe today. Uh-huh. <laughs> whole universe is shit. I hate it all. Goodness um, gracious me. <laughs> so I want to I want to go back to talking about job titles because I think that's uh, interesting. So yeah, it reminds me it kind of reminds me of um and perception around job titles. Chief bottle washer. <laughs> it kind of ninja of social media. It kind of reminds me of horoscopes in a weird way. So kind of how um <coughs> I think that people well of course it does. <laughs> I think that in a weird way uh, horoscopes, or not, not, not the kind of daily things, but the you know you are a Taurus, therefore you are like all of these things, become true because people grow up believing that they're a Taurus and therefore they must behave like that, and they recognise behaviours. I always tell people I'm a themselves. vegetarian, <laughs> but you're not. What's your star sign? I'm a vegetarian. <gasps> yeah, that's pretty funny. I, I was born be. under the sun. My star Sorry, is Sam, the I sun. Keep, I, you know what I've realized doing this show is I'm very bad at letting you finish your sentences. That's I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to drink my tea. Sorry, star signs, uh, job titles. I, I'm also kind of kind of out Go. of things. No, no. The, my star sign is the sun. That was my whole point. No, just, just uh, <laughs> it's terrifying when you realize how much you become the things that you think you are, I suppose is my point. Um, that's the whole point, really. It's not very much a deep point, so... Okay. Well, you know, I've had my tea, so. <laughs> but it's a great point, and, and you're right. So, uh, you know, it's like there's that whole, uh, what do they call it, affirmations. Oh, Jesus. It's like the secret. You know, yeah, the secret yeah, yeah, totally yeah, works. Yeah. Tell yourself what you are every day. I, I hate the secret, and I hate the kind of <laughs> thinking it encourages, which is the blame the victim thing. Yeah. You know? Like, are you really carrying this through, dumbass? <laughs> do you think that children in uh, wherever are dying of malaria at the age of two because they didn't believe it away? Because they I mean, secretly want it. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, Who no, buys sure. this shit? Anyway, uh, that aside, you know, I don't feel strongly about it or anything. But, <laughs> but that aside, I can see the, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I can see that there's um, a lot to just keep reminding yourself of, of where you'd like things to be going so mm. that that supercomputer you've got in your dome, 
um, cooking away underneath your consciousness. Mm. That can help you, I, I, you know, and I don't want to get like all pseudoscientific and weird about it. But mm. I do think there's, there's a lot of cognition going on under the surface that we aren't mm. always conscious of. But that's kind of helping our decision making as we go through the day. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's not pseudoscientific. It was the subject of, of Blink, although I don't want to bring up Malcolm Gladwell because you're already <laughs> in a bad mood. I'm in a hater mood. I hate that guy. <laughs> but that was the point behind Blink, and I like it, is that yeah. you know, when, you, when, when you're at the point of a decision – you're not just making the decision. A lot of mm. things are coming together from your past experiences, from the things that you've learned, from your chemistry in your brain, your genetics, mm. etc. And then the decision happens. It wasn't really a decision. It was always going to happen that way. It couldn't happen any other way. Mm. Uh, you know, it's always inevitable. There's no real choice. Oh, but determinism. Keep, yeah, but, but you tell yourself things uh, all the time that encourage you to think about whatever it is you're telling yourself. And mm. I, I honestly believe that it does help you. It help, does help mm. kind of steer you in a direction. So it's not the secret. There's no higher self that's helping you here. It's actually a lower self, and it's not so much of a self as just a, a chemical computer. Um, mm. But I think, I think that's, that's the deal. So I'm, I'm all for, like, willing yourself in a direction. And also... Uh, keeping yourself positive because people don't think of solutions when they are pessimistic, when they're, mm. when they're being uh, negative about the situation. Your brain just isn't designed or hasn't evolved to create opportunities and see solutions when you believe that everything's shit and the whole world's about to implode. Mm. So I think there's kind of, I mean, as you say, there's so many different layers of brain. And the weird thing is that that sense of the, 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 the self-reflective thinking consciousness um, exists on kind of a meta level. I think that that voice that we think is us is actually just the voice that is telling ourselves stories about why we made decisions but it, it's not actually true you know it's just it's all we're very good at making up stories about why we do things um and it must be very frustrating for psychologists to try and separate between those things i imagine um but you're right i mean the the, the decisions happen in a much more primal way in in the monkey brain but it's it's weird though and the, the thing that makes it interesting being a human is that there is this other meta layer that's kind of looking at everything and trying to work out and make very rational stories like yes mm -hmm. i did this because in retrospect this was totally the rational thing to do although you yeah. didn't actually do that at all you know well, but look, it's weird I mean that we, we we're like that we're the split the split thing yeah, but remember, we're a combination of things that thinks it's one thing, right? Mm. So we are tons of bacteria and different whatevers uh, and things living in our bodies that kind of is all glued together and thinks it's one thing. But even in the brain, you know, the separate parts of the brain function in very different ways. Um, you know, your basal ganglia, that whole system is very different from your prefrontal cortex. Mm. They're all in the same part of your body. Um, but these things are processing different things in different ways. So, you know, it's just it's 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 all up there. It's it's all in your skull. Mm. Um, but I think if you can learn to manage and program it, then uh, it can it can help you do amazing things. <laughs> so this is the the part of of being human and being a rational human that is the most frustrating is that you know like you look at astrology and you look at the secret and you're like this stuff is so shit like how do people believe this um it should be abolished from the planet but on the other hand it works precisely because there there are ways to kind of get people to behave and think in a certain way that 
you know, does seem to produce effects because, but not for the reasons that they think it does, but it's still yeah. working. It's like homeopathy. Homeopathy works in a certain small segment of cases where placebos work, you know, yeah. uh, but it still works. And it's so frustrating but, because but then how the do problem. you rage? How do you rage against mm -hmm. pseudoscience if it actually freaking functions? Yeah, but Sam, there isn't, it doesn't function. Firstly, it, it, like you said, it functions here and there uh, mm -hmm. pretty randomly and by chance. Um, but that's not the problem. The problem is it encourages a very dangerous kind of thinking. Mm. Uh, it encourages a thinking where, you know, if you look on our continent, for example, there's some horrible beliefs about how you cure AIDS, mm. you know, mm. um, and some of them involve hurting little children. And, uh, you know, mm. it's, it, it encourages that kind of thinking. It sure. opens the door for that kind of thing. I had a friend who almost died from cancer, and for six months her, her, her homeopath was treating her for allergies. Oh, God. Um, until she fell over at work one day and went to a real doctor who diagnosed her with, um, I can't remember which kind of cancer it was. Yeah. But it's like, you know, that's dangerous. It is mm. hurting people. It's not okay. Mm. Yes, the Kierkegaardian worldview is that it doesn't matter whether or not religion is true. It's fucking handy. Mm. Uh, that's not okay. That's not enough. It's, mm. It doesn't matter that, it, that sometimes it works. Yeah. We have a way now of finding out why things work and whether mm. or not they actually do. That's sure. the right way to look at the world. Yeah. And that doesn't open the door for any fucking crazy bananas idea uh, and for, about how you cure disease. And for abuses of power, right? So, I mean, kind of embedded in, in many of those, those weird beliefs are, you know, because you don't have a framework, if, you, if, you're, if you're not kind of thinking with a scientific mindset, you don't have a framework to prove or deny things. It means that you can become very susceptible to charlatans who want to exploit that. And you see that in charismatic religions and you see that in homeopathy and you see that all over the place. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. uh, if you, you know, the, one of my my favorite guide through this through this uh, strange field is is Tim Minchin. Mm, oh, that uh, man! What a god! <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure many many people who listen to this show because they're so fucking smart will have heard of Tim Minchin. But um, <laughs> but 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 he's an Australian comedian, and and I'll put one of his videos up. In fact, he was recently awarded an honorary doctorate, and the speech he made at his acceptance was unbelievable. So maybe we'll put a link into that. Definitely, and it's worth watching. It's it's about half an hour, and it's worth watching yeah. the entire thing. But he just unashamedly uh, and. And, and in one of the most masterful ways I've ever seen next to like a Richard Dawkins, um, just makes it obvious why it's not okay to encourage this way of thinking. It's not mm. okay to even accommodate this way of thinking in the world. It needs mm. to stop now. Yeah. Yeah, and then it gets and then it gets complicated again because then you're like, ah, oh, but you know, respecting people's backgrounds and, and ugh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. We should How just crazy is this? Today's yeah. Google Doodle is 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 Herman Rorschach's uh, 129th birthday. <laughs> oh, look at that. That's so crazy. Oh, that's quite cool. Uh, I see a teddy bear hugging a butterfly and crushing it in its paws. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Man. I need to go take some more Champix. <laughs> I always see a bat. 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 Bat, bat just seems like, like that's cheating. Like you that shouldn't Mr. Rorschach is a bat. A bat. <laughs> that is ink. This too is a bat. That's a tunnel. And that's, that's a tunnel of darkness and despair and lack men of hope. Are, men are only, be, uh, only able to see vaginas and women are only able to see uh, Lucifer's wings or something. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Are you watching that amazing <laughs> TV show, uh, Masters of Sex? Oh, that's definitely a bat. No, I'm not because I don't have TV. No, dude. Well, you have you have a, a a device with a screen. Oh, is that what you mean? Yeah. Uh, no, Masters yeah. of Sex. It's not. I don't know if it's on broadcast TV. Who knows these things? Um, is this is this, a, is, is this porn? 
No, not at all. It's actually about uh, Masters and Johnson, who were the first people who formally <laughs> were right. formal sex researchers in the 50s. Um, so kind of around the same time, uh, Kinsey was doing the Kinsey Report. Uh, yeah. But it's fantastic. It's like the Mad Men of sex. It's like, you know, creates this beautiful, uh, well-realized world that really brings to life what it was like in the 50s and how repressed everyone was. Um, yeah. And then these, these two people who were trying to apply science to these things that have been these 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 realms of shame and things you don't talk nice. about. Yeah, it's I really fun. I will check fun. it out. Michael Sheen. Yeah. Lizzie Kaplan. Mm, Lizzie Kaplan okay. is amazing. Anyway, you should check it out. On its second season already. No? Is it? No. No, no it's still season second one. Second season is obviously written. That's 2014. Yeah. That's the future, Sam. Oh, my God. How can yeah. you see into the future, Simon? Do you have a you... magic crystal ball? No, I just uh, stay on top of the trends. You know, I'm ahead of the curve. I'm on the oh, bleeding edge. So, uh, so it's easy to know oh. what will happen in the future, okay. of course. Right. You know. You're living three days from now. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> when we have flying cars and your phones levitate and spew diamonds. <laughs> anyway... Yeah, okay, that's, dude. Uh, the Sam's got to go sound. So let's mm-hmm. do that. Um, <laughs> Sam's got to go take Champix before she claws her eyeballs out of her head. Ah, oh, when will Easy the grumpy now. end? When will it end? Oh. It'll 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 end when uh, you wake up feeling like a care bear because uh, you're not coughing up your lungs, mm. um, and uh, and so that happens yes. at some point. I, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's right, that a thing. Okay, cool. Good well, talking you- to you. As always. It's been emotional. Yes, and 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 uh scientific. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go make up a new job title. Yeah. And um put What it on is a, a job title for people who talk to each other over the internet on Fridays? Ooh, podcaster? Broadcaster. Uh crazy pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm add stable. that to my business card. Uh, ist. Head of thinking and crazy pants. Uh, conversationalist yeah. uh, over Skype. Conversationalist, that would it's, be a great title. It's so ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just call them Ricky Gervais or um, yeah. Leo Laporte. Okay, cool. Um, they have names now because there's so few of them. They don't need, they don't need, they're not a group yet. Uh, one day when people start making money out of doing it, then perhaps uh, it'll be formalized. Cool. Okay. Okay, Sam. Well, you have a fabulous Friday, Mr. Dingle. You too, lady. Okay, I'll test you soon. Good luck with the grumpy thing. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Chat soon. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.